Good morning, everybody. Isn't this morning a great morning? I mean, isn't it a great morning? It's a great morning. I don't know why it's great for you, but it's great for me, so everybody needs to be great. So, uh, we are going to... Wow, my brain just froze. We're going to do some worship. That's right. We're going to do some worship. That's why we have instruments on. Um, yeah, I just want to take a minute, a few seconds. Well, welcome online people, too. We want to say good morning to our Facebook. Everybody say good morning to our Facebook friends. You know, just for fun, let's everybody get out of their chairs and walk by and just wait. No, I'm kidding. I'm just overwhelmed now with the goodness. Maybe because the sun was shining this morning or... But there's just... I know I, I'm, I'm guesstimating, but the women had a, a, a brunch, had a, a women's gathering. And you can always feel a difference in the place, can't you? At least I can. So maybe just take a second... We're going to start our worship this morning with maybe you be thinking about what you're thankful for this morning. Lord, I get overwhelmed with your kindness, with your grace, which you pour out on us each and every day. And that we're part of this amazing community, we're part of this great family. That we're not orphans, but we're sons and daughters. Not of anything that we've done, but Jesus, it's everything that you've done. And the sacrifices you've made and the price that you paid and the place that you hold for each one of us. So let's be thankful for that. If you had a great week, be thankful. If you had a challenging week, be thankful. Because through either of those, God is with us. Amen? Amen. So if you feel like standing, you can stand. Whatever position you feel is comfortable for you as we begin our worship with the service with music. And then excited to have Jackie preach today. She's going to share the message and just our fellowship this morning. Before he spoke creation, the God of heaven knew our name. Formed in his reflection, 
Thank you. 
It's the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise, treasure to fade, never enough. And you came along and put me back together.
Good morning, everyone. Please bear with me. My allergies have been killing me for the past week. So, <laughs> welcome to the Vineyard Community Church. We are so glad that you're here at the Vineyard with us. And for all of you at home, hello. Our service today is streaming live on Facebook. Also, we'll be sharing communion following these announcements. For those of you at home, grab a cup and some bread or a cracker so that you can join us later. Dr. Jackie Brown, our small group co-pastor, yes, whoop, whoop. <laughs> is preaching today. The message is Unwanted Company, found in Mark 4, 35, 5 through 20. Grab your Bible, your cell phone, laptop, tablet, uh, to look up today's text or follow along in your bulletin. Today is Name Tag Sunday. We invite you to wear a name tag. Take a moment to meet someone that you may not know. God calls each of us, all of us, to higher levels of commitment and responsibility. I see calling you to membership here. VCC membership class is today, following the service from 11.30 to 1 p.m. in the fellowship hall. We are excited to announce that Tammy Craft is coming back to the Vineyard Fellowship Hall this Friday May 26th at 6 p.m. to talk to our parents and kids about internet safety. All kids, fifth grade and up, are encouraged to attend. There will, be, there will be a breakout session for kids and a time for adults to ask any questions that might arise. Sign up at the Lobby Info Center. For more info, reach out to Janice Sherman at the following number. Snacks will be provided. Next Sunday, May 28th, Join us here in the VCC parking lot for our outdoor service. Bring a lawn chair if you would like to sit outside of your car. We will also live stream for those of you at home. Following the outdoor service next Sunday, we are having a Memorial Weekend Church picnic at Daniels Park in Willoughby. 
Here's something special from Anne-Marie, Anne-Marie and Rich to tell you about it. Hello, Vineyard community. Uh, Anne-Marie and I are here to tell you more about the picnic next Sunday, May 28th, after the outdoor service. We're going to have it here at beautiful Daniel Park, which is about four miles east of Vineyard Community Church, right on Route 84. So we were thinking that, wow, we have a Labor Day outdoor service and a picnic, so why not have a Memorial Day service outdoor and a picnic, and July 4th also in a picnic. So there'll be three this year. So. So, so we're asking that you bring a dish to pass, your favorite meat for grilling, and your favorite beverage. Vineyard Community Church will be provided hot coals for you to grill on, um, paper plates and utensils, and grilling tools for the picnic. And nearby this big pavilion is a fenced-in playground, nearby a restroom, and off this way there's a basketball court. <laughs> and the other direction is cement cornhole. Don't know how that's going to work out, but bring your cornhole beanbag. And a stone's throw away is the Chagrin River where your kids can play and have fun and they probably are going to get wet so make sure you bring extra clothes in the top. We hope to see you next Sunday after the outdoor service, May 28th. That was awesome. Our church rummage sale is here on June 2nd and 3rd. We will be accepting your sale donations Tuesday and Wednesday, May 30th and 31st. Sign up in the lobby if you can help with this fundraiser. We also need ne help next Sunday before leaving for the picnic to stack all the chairs in the sanctuary. Please don't forget today's offering. We have a small table set up at the back of the sanctuary for your offering or donate on our church website or Facebook page. Now, Marvin, whose birthday is today, so we have to sing, will lead us in communion. If you didn't receive a mix communion cup when you came in, please raise your hand, and for those of you at home, grab a cup and bread and join us. But we have to sing happy birthday first. <laughs> Come on up, guys. Come on up, guys. Thank you. I prefer the Beatles version. Happy birthday to you. Do 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 do. Thank you. Uh, appreciate uh, the members of the men's group coming up and join us. So we're going to help out today. 
Uh, before we start, I just wanted to mention, I don't know, I know some of you have heard that Tim Keller died this week. Uh, Tim was the pastor of a Redeemer Presbyterian Church, uh, an amazing, amazing teacher. He died after a three-year battle with cancer, and uh, we send our, our condolences to his family, but we know Tim is rejoicing in heaven with his pain has ended, so... All right, we are watching a series in men's group called Heaven from Chip Ingram, and I've been reading the book All Things New by John Eldridge. John asked a very interesting question we'll get into in a minute. Since this is Communion Sunday, let's look at Revelations 19.9. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. In our resurrection bodies, we will share a meal with Jesus. Share a meal with Jesus. Think about that. Eldridge would ask the question, who else would you like to share a meal with when all things are made new? Who else would you like to be at that meal? What relative, what famous person, who would you like to have a meal with along with Jesus? Today, uh, we will share a symbolic meal with our brothers and sisters who are here or who are joining us online. Who is missing that you would like to be present at the resurrection banqueting table? So that's one of the hopes that we hold on to. And if you remember, Jesus, when he was resurrected, he still had a body. Uh, He cooked. He ate fish. Now, he could walk through walls, which is kind of (laughs) cool. But he had a resurrection body, and that's what we can look forward to. I also kind of have a very interesting take on that from uh, C.S. Lewis about communion and matter. It's called Blessed Matter. And, And let me make it quite clear that when Christians say Christ's life is in them, they do not mean simply something mental or moral. When they speak of being in Christ or Christ being in them, this is not simply a way of saying they are thinking about Christ or copying him. They mean Christ is actually operating through them. So Christ operates through us. They mean that Christ is actually operating through them, that the whole mass of Christians are the physical organism through which Christ acts. We are his fingers and muscles, the cells of his body. And perhaps that explains one or two things. It explains why this new life is spread not only by purely mental acts, like belief, but by bodily acts, like baptism and holy communion. It is not merely the spreading of an idea. It is more like an evolution, a biological or super-biological fact. There is no good trying to be more spiritual than God. God never meant us to be purely spiritual creature. That is why he uses material things, like bread and wine, to put new life into us. We may think this is rather crude and unspiritual. God does not. He invented eating, and he likes matter. He invented it. So we will uh, have some matter and enjoy communion. Terry will lead us in natural communion. I'd also like to uh, mention the other members of the the men's group who couldn't be here with us today, uh, uh, Moses and, and Andrew, uh, and Dave, and uh, who else am I missing? Anyway, uh, thank you guys for being in the group with us. When the hour came, 
a reading from uh, Luke uh, chapter 22, starting in verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. <clears throat> and he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless. Good morning. Always a pleasure to be here in the house of the Lord with my family and the Lord. Uh, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to, to reign in this service, to rule in this service. We want to hear from you. We set aside our agendas and we surrender and want to hear what you have to say. Less of me and more of you. God, I pray that you would meet the needs of those who came here with heavy hearts and burdens. Let them know that you love them and care for them and you're working things out on their behalf. We thank you for what you will do in this, this house this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, good to be here. Always good to be uh, with my spiritual family. Um, shout out as always to our awesome worship team uh, for just always getting us started in a beautiful way. Um, our sound team. Um, if you ever are praying and you're like, what should I pray for? Pray for our leaders. Pray for our worship team. Pray for our sound team. Pray for our children's leaders. There's, yeah, pray, keep them in prayer because um, they, they labor tirelessly. Um, and so we want to make sure we keep them covered. But with that, we are continuing our discussion on spiritual warfare today, and today we are going to dive into the topic of demonization. Yes. Yeah, thank you. I'll give you the $20 later for doing it. Thanks. Um, 
But yes, that topic of dealing with and casting out demons, which uh, probably some people don't have that same yes response, but uh, it's a topic we, it's important to talk about. Um, but before we dive in, as I often like to do, I want to tell you the two main points that I hope you leave here today with. And first is that you understand what we've been talking about these past few weeks is that there are two spiritual kingdoms at war. And there's only two spiritual kingdoms at war. There is no neutral spirituality. So there's two kingdoms at war. And the second thing I hope that you think about this morning is that we can't get comfortable with unwanted company, unwanted spiritual company. Let's not get comfortable with it. Um, I remember the first time I was in a, a place where they were uh, a church where they were talking about casting out demons. It was back when I lived in Columbus, and I wasn't a member of the vineyard there, but I would visit the vineyard Columbus um, sometimes, and they had this young adult meeting. So this, this was long ago when I fit in that category. Uh, good memories. Uh, but anyway, so they were having this young adult prayer meeting, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go. Why not? This young adults, Vineyard Columbus is big, might be some single men there. You know, why not? So I go, uh, <laughs> and um, someone's at the front, and they're praying. And in true Vineyard fashion, at, at some point, the person at the front and says, okay, now we're going to pray for one another. So you can, if you want to continue praying by yourself, you can, or you can get into groups and pray. And so um, I stayed true to my introvert self, and I stayed in my bubble and prayed by myself. But other people <laughs> got into groups, and there was a group that was forming not too far from me that was surrounding a young lady, and they were praying for her. And all of a sudden, she fell out of her seat onto the floor, and she's rolling around the floor, and then she's screaming. And I'm like, okay, don't stare, don't stare, keep praying. But I, I, I'm like, what is going on over there? No, keep praying. And I'm just watching, like, okay, all right. And then um, after a while, you know, and I hear the people giving commands, come out of her in Jesus' name, come out. I'm like, whew, this is not, I, I was just hoping to meet somebody tonight. This is not what I <laughs> signed up for. And um, <laughs> so it, it, it ends, and she gets up. And I, I'll never forget it. She had on a black hoodie. I still remember it. And she gets up, and she's like, yes. And she's all smiles, and everyone's hugging. And I'm still disturbed. Like, we just going to sit here and pretend like she wasn't just 30 seconds ago rolling around on the ground screaming? But, yeah, so that was my intro <laughs> to what uh, it can look like to cast out demons. But um, the joy on her face afterwards, I could just see the freedom on her. Um, and so we're going to talk about that today. Um, you're a Christian. You're in a you're, you signed up to be in a spiritual war. Sorry to break the news to you if you didn't know. Um, but we're on the winning side. So it's a very interesting war because we know who the winner is. We know what the end is going to be. And yet we're in this space of walking things out on earth where we will have to have battles, even though we know the end. So it's an interesting type of war. And, and when we talk about spiritual warfare, we don't do so because we want to glorify the devil. We don't want to glorify the kingdom of darkness. But we do need to be aware of how the enemy operates. We do need to be aware because there's things that Holy Spirit wants us to do, and we need to be able to discern those things. And so as we've walked through this series, we've learned different ways we engage in warfare. We, um, 
Brent talked about in the, in the Garden of Eden and how the, the certain serpent showed up and tried to twist God's words and, and get Adam and Eve to think, well, did God say that or did he really say? So, so one way we can engage in warfare is just choosing to believe what God said, even when the enemy tries to come in and twist it. That's one act of warfare. We can just believe in what God said. Another way we exercise warfare is putting on our spiritual armor. We talked about that. We exercise warfare by prayer. Prayer is warfare. Don't discount prayer. It's so important. Prayer is warfare. And so there's a lot of different strategies that we've talked about. And today we're going to talk about the fact that there are some times where we engage in warfare because we or one of our um, sisters or brothers in the faith, we have unwanted company, a spiritual presence that needs to be cast out. And there is so much to this topic. I was telling Brent, like, man, I had so much that I just had to cut that we're not going to talk about this morning. But if you um, want to learn more about I do want to mention a couple of resources. One, there's a podcast um, that has been mentioned before called We Are Vineyard. There's an episode about a month back by Josh and Candy Brown. Strongly suggest that you listen to the podcast. It's also on YouTube if you don't um, listen to um, podcast, but strongly recommend you listen to it. Uh, Josh talks about his journey as a neuroscientist, and he studies the brain and ends up with a brain tumor. Of course, because he's, he studies the brain, he's, he's getting his medical treatment, and they said for this particular type of tumor, there's nothing we can do. There's, there's nothing. You just have to wait it out until it's over, which will probably be in a couple of years. And so he talks about going to get prayer. And over the course of the, the time, he had several prayer sessions, sessions and his brothers and sisters in Christ were discerning, there's something, something else here. There's a spirit here. And um, he had several sessions where they would just pray for him and cast out the spirit. And over time, his tumor began to shrink until it was no more. Doctors couldn't explain it. He, as a renowned neuroscientist, couldn't explain it. It was because of, he needed deliverance. And now what we talked about before, and Brent's mentioned it, and I'll mention again, everything is not a demon. We are physical people in natural bodies. Sometimes there are natural causes to things. So not every brain tumor is because there's a demon. There are natural causes to things. But his community, his faith community, took the time to just pause and discern with him, especially after the doctor said, there's nothing else we can do. Um, to discern with them. So I strongly encourage you to listen to it. He's, it's, he's, they're both funny as they tell the stories about how they didn't even believe that Christians um, could have these spirits. And uh, it's, I really strongly encourage that. And also on Vineyard Digital Resources, there, is, there are teachings from John Wimber about uh, demonization and praying for deliverance. So just wanted to let you know in case your interest is peaked and you want to learn more, some resources for you. So with that, we're going to jump into the text. I'm going to start um, with Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. 
When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed, to see, rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed, and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with them, but Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told him. Yes. So we have a man here. He, w- he lived in the tombs, in burial caves. This man who was alive was living amongst where dead people were kept. Nothing was typical about his behavior. Uh, he, he was howling and crying out day and night. Uh, in the book of Luke, that's where we learn that he often was naked. He didn't have on clothes. He was hurting himself, cutting himself. He was so problematic that the folks in town would try periodically to restrain him, put shackles on him, but he had this superhuman strength where he could break out of the shackles. And so we see here... This man is in distress. He's clearly tormented. Demons tormented him so much to the point that he was just living in isolation. Very disturbing picture. And so Jesus and his disciples, they get out of the boat, and it says that the man ran out to meet Jesus and fell out his feet. A man who was powerful enough to break chains and shackles still recognized the authority of Jesus Christ. If he was strong enough to break shackles, I'm sure he's strong enough to hurt somebody if he wanted to, but surrendered at the feet of Jesus. And the demon that was in this man began to speak out because Jesus started saying to him, come out, come out of the man, you evil spirit. And so the spirit began to speak out. But you can tell by how the spirit spoke and what the spirit said that they're clear about Jesus' authority. 
They start begging, like, look, don't send us to a faraway place. Don't send us into the abyss. So they're trying to, even though they're clear, it seems like it's a few stall tactics here, but they're very clear that they cannot continue the way that they've been continuing operating in this man's life. And then Jesus asked the spirit his name. Of course, Jesus already knew the answer. Um, I probably, I, I like to think it's probably for the benefit of the disciples because they were still learning Jesus' authority right before this. Jesus had spoken to wind and waves and, and the wind and waves stopped. And the disciples are like, what? Who, 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 is, who is this? What kind of power do you have? But, but he asked uh, the demons, what's your name? And the demon responded with legion, which was a military term that talked about a large number of soldiers, could be up to 6,000 soldiers. So we can see this man, why he was so tormented and his behaviors were so bizarre, because there were thousands of demons inside of him. And so they begged Jesus, don't, don't, don't send us to the abyss, don't send us to a faraway place. And they asked to be sent to, into a herd of pigs. Um, they probably didn't know what they were going to do once they got in the pigs. But Jesus did give permission because he is the authority. So they move when he says move and they go where he says go. And he gave them permission to go into the herd of pigs. And then 2,000 pigs go off the cliff and drown. But this man is set free. This man who was typically naked is now putting on clothes, this man who was howling and screaming and, and, and hurting himself, and he's now showing that he's sane. He has his sanity back. And as the people learn about this, you would think that the response is, all right, yeah, let's throw a party. Let's have a celebration. This man who has been just tormented, he's now set free. But that's not the response of the folks in the neighborhood. They were like, what just happened? <laughs> and, and I can't blame them because if I saw 2,000 pigs get filled with demons and stampede off a cliff, I'd probably have some questions too. Probably have some questions too. But they were afraid. They were afraid. Like, what? what? This Jesus, who are you? What are you doing? What is this? This is not normal. We liked our other normal better. We want you to leave. They started begging Jesus to leave. <laughs> Because what you're doing up in this neighborhood, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. And so it was, it was too weird, probably, costly financially, um, to lose 2,000 pigs. But as they were telling Jesus to leave, they were basically saying, you know what, it was better before you got here. It was better when this man was still in bondage. They had gotten comfortable with having someone living in their midst who was hurting himself. They had gotten comfortable with someone living in their midst who was howling and wailing in the middle of the night, comfortable with someone who was very much alive living with dead people. They'd gotten comfortable with someone in their midst demonized. That felt more comfortable than the freedom that Jesus did. They got comfortable with it. That was more comfortable. Probably because it just had been going on for so long. We just got used to it. That's just the guy who wails. That's the guy who cuts himself. That's the guy who sleeps next to dead people. They got used to it probably because it had been going on for so long. But the man, he was grateful. He was grateful, and Jesus told him, go tell your testimony. And as we think about, yeah, this is a powerful, powerful story, I want us to think about that sometimes we can get comfortable with unwanted company just like the people 
in that community. You just got, it just been there so long, it was just comfortable. Um, most translations, when you read this text, it says that the man was possessed. And the word that was originally there in the Greek was daimonizomai. Come on, y'all. I practiced that for like two hours yesterday. <laughs> Give it up. No. <laughs> I probably still said it wrong, but I did practice. But, um, <laughs> and so, but the, the Greek word there means demonize. And so it's important to understand that because that word actually covers a full spectrum. So yes, it covers what we see here in Mark chapter 5 where this man was just totally under control of the demon and it seemed like he couldn't do anything on his own. But it also covers the, I'll say the lighter, if you will, when we're talking about demons, end of the spectrum of when a demon can afflict someone or torment some or just have a level of control in someone's life. So someone's vexed by a demon and the demon's strongly influencing them that also falls under the definition of demonization. I won't try the Greek again, but it also falls under that category. That's important to know because then we understand that Christians, Christians can be demonized. Christians can be demonized. And sometimes folks get into argument about, you know, can Christians be possessed or they can't be possessed, but they can possess, but they can be oppressed or uh, trying to clarify, Jackie, what are you saying? Can a demon be in me? Or are you saying he can be next to me or on my toe or hovering over me or beside me? And so people kind of get into these debates. And as much as I love a great theological conversation, that's one debate that I don't enter. And the reason why is because a lot of the time, the reason why the person is debating is because they don't want to acknowledge they need deliverance. So I'm not entering that conversation. <laughs> if someone needs freedom, I want to see you free. I don't care about the, the, the theological jump ropes, but it helped me to understand what the word, the original word in the text meant, demonize. The people who originally read this would not have been having those arguments. They weren't concerned about where is the place. Is it located in my arm or next to me or attached to me? That wasn't, that's not how they understood demonization when they read that word. So I think it's helpful for us to understand that, yes, there are people who are fully possessed and owned by the devil, but there's also the... Uh, the kingdom of darkness exercising levels of control in our lives, okay? That doesn't change who we belong to. We belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. So you have the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is his, but we have minds. We have bodies. We have wills. We have emotions that continue, continually need to be submitted to him. And those are places where the enemy can exercise some control. And we need to know that so that we can, we're on the winning side. We need to know that so we can know that we don't have to take it. We don't have to get comfortable with it. Um, so again, Jesus has already paid the price for freedom. He's already set us free. He's already done the work. There's nothing we can do. Jesus has already done the work. But we need to be ready to engage in warfare. So Jesus, when he told, was teaching his disciples how to pray, he taught them to pray, deliver us from the evil one. That's what he taught them. And, and the Lord's Prayer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, when um, talking about the weapons of our warfare, said they're mighty through God for pulling down demonic strongholds. If you read Ephesians chapter 4, very interesting. Um, and again, these are, these are letters that were written to Christians, to the church. Talks about 
anger and how when you let anger turn into sin, you're giving the devil a foothold. So some of the ways that we can, can experience these levels of influence from the enemy is sometimes we walk into it. And so I encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 4, but he's saying don't let your anger turn into sin because then you give the devil the foothold. You give him an opportunity. And so this is the most extreme case of demonization found in the Bible, but it's not the only way demonization looks. We read Mark chapter 1. There was a guy who was in the synagogue. I'm assuming maybe a guy who came to the temple all the time. Uh, In this particular time, he was there hearing Jesus teaching. Nothing, they didn't describe him as a crazy demonized, you know, the resident demonized man. They just described him as a man in the synagogue. And I can imagine he probably started to feel a little bit of agitation, but then a spirit spoke out of him, and Jesus cast the spirit out. So it doesn't always look like this wild and crazy thing that we see here in Mark 5, though it can. Sometimes it's subtle, and I don't know if the man, who knows if that man even knew it. Um, But it's important, again, just to understand, and the reason it's important to understand is so that people can get free. Because I've seen this happen, it's happened to me where someone will go to another Christian and say, hey, I'm having this experience, and I feel like I'm feeling this presence, and I don't even know how to describe what's going on. I, I, I don't even know how to words for it, but I think there's some, uh, some evil happening. And the person will get turned away and say, no, it's fine. Jesus already paid for it. You're fine. You don't have to worry about it. And instead of helping that person through it, we kind of just pacify it. Um, or the person says, I've been struggling with this sin. I've been trying to get free from this sin. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been quoting the scriptures. I've been trying to resist. And I don't want to be in the sin anymore, and it's still there. And again, if we don't understand demonization, we might just, again, turn that person away to stay in their bondage and say, okay, just keep praying. But when we understand that demonization is possible, then at least we can take a step back and just ask, Lord, is there something here? Is there something here that we need to approach in a different way? So that's why it's important. And actually, in the early church, deliverance, casting out demons was just, is what they did. It was protocol. Like when someone came to Christ, someone said, I want to become a follower of Christ. They're like, yeah, high five. We're going to cast some demons out. Like that was, that was the process. And then the baptism. That was the process in the early church. Like that was just a loving way to welcome somebody into the family of God. There was no, was no taboo, was not, oh, she's demonized, you know, keep a close watch on her. Yeah, welcome, but I don't trust you. It wasn't like that. It was a normal part of the protocol when someone came to Christ. Um, Jesus, he taught his disciples to, 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 to cast out demons. When you look Throughout the Gospels, when Jesus was teaching his disciples, he taught them to share the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. You see that over and over again. And they did it. And it wasn't just the 12 disciples. Uh, They talked about the 72 when they went out. And they came back like, whoa, these demons are listening to us, Jesus, when we use your name. And Jesus was like, yes. Don't rejoice in that. That's not the thing to rejoice in. Rejoice in the fact that you are, uh, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But it was a part of discipleship. And even when we think about the Great Commission and how to make disciples, and Jesus said, to, you know, to teach the new disciples all the things that I've taught you. What did he teach his disciples? He was teaching them how to share the gospel, how to care for the poor, how to heal the sick, 
and he explicitly taught them how to cast out demons. That was a part of the Christian experience. So again, there's no shame for getting prayer for the, from, um, from bondage from the kingdom of darkness. It's what we do as followers of Christ. And for a long time, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I, I mean, I read about it. I saw it there, but I didn't, I didn't read it with the Holy Spirit's understanding of, yes, Jesus taught them, and we're supposed to keep teaching one another. Um, Brent shared a little while back uh, in one of his sermons about when I came to him and said, Hey, something, something ain't right. That's why I start singing a song, but I'm not going to sing it. Uh, <laughs> but something, something just ain't right. And, um, and so Brent and the team prayed for me. And they didn't know going in, like, is, is there a demon here? But they agreed to pray with me, thankfully, and just discern together. Because I was like, I, can't, I don't know. Um, but they agreed to pray with me and discern together. And there was spirits I think at least two I was kind of it was I'll tell the full story one day but um, but yeah they discerned spirits there and they prayed for me and then told the spirits come out so it's it's not again it's not a thing of shame it's the thing of understanding the authority of Jesus Christ and understanding what he taught that when you experience this you have a weapon you have a recourse there's something you can do uh, it's very interesting, the things I experienced after that, that deliverance prayer. So I went in for one thing because I was having all these falls and injuries. And I'm just like, you know, I've been to the doctor. They say my balance is fine, everything. But uh, so that's what I went for. But I experienced freedom in so many other areas after that. I started sleeping through the night. I was having trouble sleeping up to that point. Did not make the connection that it was anything spiritual. I got comfortable. Like, this is just middle age, I guess. Like, I had gotten comfortable. But I started sleeping through the night immediately um, after that <laughs> prayer session. Another thing that I experienced was freedom. And if, if you would have asked me the day before that, I would have said I was free from a particular sin, particular temptation. I would have said I was free because when the temptation showed up, I would, I would want to do it, but I would pray and say, nope, I quote scripture and I wouldn't do it. And that was something I've been dealing with for decades. And I would have said I was free because when it showed up, I went into battle mode and said, yep, we're not going to do it. But my flesh wanted to. And I didn't know there was another level of deliverance where my flesh wouldn't even want to anymore. And I, again, that's not what I went to prayer for, but that's what I experienced. The thing still showed up. The devil still presented it. And I was like, that's not even attractive to me anymore. I had gotten used to what I thought was freedom, but it was still a level of bondage, and God had a new level of freedom for me. Um, and so, look, everything is not a demon. There are some things that have natural causes. Uh, there are some things that we cause ourselves. There's a lot of trouble I've experienced in my life because of decisions I made. I messed it up. Um, there are just things we go through in life. Jesus told us we're going to have trouble. Life is going to be hard. So everything is not a demon, but we do need to pause and discern. Is there something else here? Have I gotten used to unwanted company? And so if you discern that maybe there's something else here, even if you're not sure, here's what you can do. First, recognize the power the only power that can defeat evil, that's Jesus Christ. So if there's something else there and you're like, I've tried all I can do, what else, what do I do now? 
Jesus is the only power that can defeat evil spirits. And then the second thing, make a decision that you're not going to agree with the bondage anymore. Make a decision that you're not going to agree with it anymore. So for me, I, I could have made the decision. I'm not going to agree. You know what? I'm not, I'm not taking this. This thing that keeps showing up that I know is sin and my flesh wants it. God, I want my flesh to not want it anymore. So come out of agreement with it. I don't agree with that thing anymore. Again, in Ephesians 4, when it talked about when anger leads us to sin and we give the devil a foothold, we can come out of agreement with it. And it said, you know what, God, I am angry. I have not forgiven that person because what they did to me was horrible. But I'm not in agreement with holding on to anger forever. Even though right now I'm angry and unforgiving, I'm not, I'm not going to be in agreement with saying that's just going to be the, the way I am for the rest of my life. I'm not agreeing with that anymore. Come out of agreement with it. And then if you discern that there's something else, that there's a spirit, you have unwanted company, we're going to follow the biblical example. You send them out in two, so gather two or more other believers to discern with you. You might not be sure. You might think, okay, am I overthinking things? So, so gather your friends who are in Christ, your small group members, and say, hey, can you discern with me? Let's just pray, and can you discern with me? And when you're praying together and you discern that there is something there, Jesus told us to cast it out. Mark, uh, Matthew 10:1 says, Jesus gave his disciples authority over unclean spirits to be able to cast them out. So he showed them how to do it, and then he sent them out to do it. And we're his disciples, so he's sending us out to do it. We don't have the power to cast out a demon. But we obey if he says this is the way that we do it and that I've given you the authority to cast out the demon, then we do it. And so I, this is not about being spooky or, or paranoid because, again, everything's not a demon. But it's about being discerning. Lord, help us to discern what you're doing. Help us to discern the things that I've just allowed to happen and hang on for so long and you've been whispering hey you can be free you can be free you don't have to hang on to this and then the last step is is when you get free tell your testimony when you get free tell your testimony and so as we close I want you to ask the Lord is there something that I've gotten comfortable with that you've been wanting to cast out there's something I've gotten comfortable. It's been here so long that I'm just saying this is the way it's going to be. And I've gotten comfortable and you want to cast it out. Maybe it is anger or bitterness and you have a right to feel angry and bitter because what the person did to you was so heinous. But you've been hanging on to it for so long. It affects you just as much now as it did when they first did it to you. You've been hanging on to anger and bitterness just take a moment, like, God, is there something else here? Is there, an, is there a spirit at work that wants to keep me anger and bitter and keeps reminding me of things so that I can give the devil a foothold? Is there something else at work here? Maybe you're someone who is constantly offended. This used to be me. I had to get deliverance um, from a spirit of rejection. So found myself constantly offended, always getting into it with people, uh, having fallen out with people. Maybe... It's not just you, but it's the kingdom of darkness at work who wants to make sure you always feel rejected in your interactions with people. 
so that you won't have a community. So is, is it that? Um, maybe you've gotten really comfortable with being a lukewarm Christian. You've gotten real comfortable with not having a prayer life, with not reading your Bible, with having no power. You've gotten real comfortable with not serving. Could just be a season you're going through. We have seasons that we go through. But did you take time to discern, like, Lord, is there something else? Maybe it's sin. Maybe there's sin that you just said, I've, I've, I've been praying about this for years, and it's still there. And so I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to say that I'm just, that's just how I am. That's, that's my one thorn. That's going to be the sin that I do from here on out. And you've gotten used to it. Ask the Lord, what have you gotten used to? Where is their unwanted company? And if he's bringing something to your mind right now, don't dismiss what just came to your mind right now. God is speaking. So don't dismiss what came to your mind right now. And then, again, you can, we can pray um, after service, but I encourage you to pray with your small group, your, your Christian friends, and say, I think there's something here. Discern with me. And then we follow the example that Jesus told us as his disciples to cast it out in his authority. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll um, be available to pray here. I encourage you to pray with one another um, as we dismiss today and just um, continue to listen to what Holy Spirit is saying as we we leave today, today because I do believe some people are in need of freedom today. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray as Holy Spirit leads. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. Your word is true. We believe what you said. We believe that freedom is here in the house today for anyone who's in bondage. God, I thank you for all the things you brought to mind for people who've gotten comfortable with something that you never meant for them to live with, gotten comfortable with things that you want to cast out. And so, God, we spend time now, and we just come out of agreement with those things. We no longer agree with those things. We will not continue to be angry and bitter for the rest of our lives. God, we know we can't do it by ourselves. We need Holy Spirit intervention to get rid of anger and bitterness. So we come out of agreement with that. We come out of agreement with sin, come out of agreement with sexual sin, come out of agreement with gossip. We come out of agreement. That's not who we are anymore. Lord, we come out of agreement with anything that you want to cast out. Just want uh, that anger and bitterness. Oh, Lord, if we confess that we've been angry and bitter, we ask that you would root it out. We've been agreeing with rejection. God, we ask you to root it out. Forgive us, Lord, for agreeing with the enemy and not with what your word says about us. And now, God, because you said in your word that if we are discerning that there is a spirit that we cast it out, God, because you said so, we're going to follow your example. So we speak to spirits of anger and bitterness, and we say, come out in the name of Jesus. Come out of him, come out of her, now in the name of Jesus. We speak to rejection by the authority of Jesus Christ, and we say, come out now. 
come out of him, come out of her, spirit of rejection. You have no more rule in their life. They will have great relationships because that's who God created them to be. Spirit of lust, out. You have no more power here. Come out of him, come out of her. Spirit of infirmity, come out now by the authority of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are the power who can set us free. You are the power who can set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 